show up and vote, you will determine the outcome of this election. Vote, vote, vote. If you're able to vote early in your state, vote early. If you're able to vote in person, vote in person. Vote whatever way is the best way for you. He cannot stop you from being able to determine the outcome of this election. Because if we get the votes, it's going to be all over. He's going to go. He can't stay in power. It won't happen. It won't happen. So vote. Just make sure you understand you have it in your control to determine what this country is going to look like the next four years. Is it going to change? You get four more years of these lies. No, this is not. There is no. This is not going to end well. Yep, that's what I'm concerned about. Buckle up. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in Red Bluff and Red Bluff and Redding in California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com here with our special coverage of whatever the hell it was that happened Wednesday night in Cleveland, Ohio. CNN's Jake Tapper called it a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. His colleague, Abby Phillip, described it as a complete disaster. CNN's usually unflappable Wolf Blitzer said it was, quote, the most chaotic presidential debate that he had ever seen and a, quote, embarrassment to the country, adding that he, quote, wouldn't be surprised if this is the last presidential debate between the president of the United States and the former vice president of the United States. Cook Political Report editor Amy Walter wondered how many people turned off this debate after the first 15 minutes. Derek Thompson at The Atlantic said it isn't a debate. It's a denial of service attack happening in front of a human moderator. ABC's George Stephanopoulos noted that he had watched presidential debates for 40 years, moderated presidential debates, prepared candidates for presidential debates and covered presidential debates. 
But that Wednesday night's debate between President Donald Trump and Vice President Joe Biden, hosted by Fox News's Chris Wallace at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, was, quote, the worst presidential debate I've seen in my life. Even Jonathan Carl, no lefty he, by the way, over at ABC, said it was, quote, a total mess of interruptions and petty insults, adding that people on the floor told him they were stunned by what they were seeing transpire on that stage. MSNBC's Rachel Maddow ripped Donald Trump for delivering a, quote, monstrous cavalcade of increasingly wild and obscene lies, adding later that it was, quote, an unintelligible display of logoria. Look it up. Her MSNBC uh, uh, colleague Brian Williams understated it as a, quote, dark event. Even rabid Trump supporter and George W. Bush's former press secretary uh, described it as a, quote, train wreck. That was Ari Fleischer. Press runs Eric Bullert decried, quote, shedding all semblance of decency, let alone public civility. A desperate Trump turned Tuesday's presidential debate not only into a brawl, but also a national embarrassment. Salon's Heather Digby Parton wrote that it was an embarrassment entirely because of Donald Trump's sophomoric behavior, which was more befitting a nasty tween bully trying to shake someone down for his lunch money than the president of the United States. And she said it was a massive failure, describing Trump's, quote, sweaty face and angry grimace, forming a surreal picture of every woman's worst nightmare. The domineering boss, the cruel boyfriend, the violent father, the abusive husband. Both Eric and Heather will join us momentarily here to no doubt expound on some of those very subtle observations of theirs. CNN's Dana Bash, however, seems to have had the most direct and perhaps most echoed description of the evening, one which she was allowed to say on cable TV, but that I can't say here on the FCC airwaves, unfortunately. So I will paraphrase her description of the 90 minute mess as, quote, a crap show. On the other hand, over at Fox News, they appeared to find a bright side using the Chiron text at the bottom of the screen to note, quote, Biden stumbles his way through first debate. In a debate where the president of the United States declined to denounce white supremacy and insinuated any election he loses this November might be illegitimate or where he downplayed the importance of wearing a mask during a pandemic that has already killed over 200,000 Americans. There was obviously much to criticize if you were able to hear any of the actual content above Trump's interruptions, his childish insults and his false Fox News fueled conspiracy theories. Uh, There was much for those in the news media to criticize, though, I think Stephen Colbert's late show, his take on what 80 million or so Americans witnessed on Wednesday night might have been the most spot on. Tonight was the opening round of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. The battle of the boomers, the showman versus the Joe man. Get ready for democracy to crumble. I come to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, an empty vessel. 
A man with a mind wiped clean. I have stood in the swirling chaos of creation. I have seen Shiva dancing the destruction, wielding his trident, carving great gouts out of the universe. The sky at once both red and blue and black until all that remained was a starless void in the hollow husk once known as Chris Wallace. <laughs> we have emerged from the mad whirlwind where we gazed upon the forbidden countenance of God himself and he said unto us, Jesus, stop interrupting him, you giant baby. <laughs> yes, tonight saw the best minds of our generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the streets at dawn looking for the mute button. <laughs> Forget fact-checking this debate. We couldn't even do any sentence-finding. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but I am so looking forward to the vice presidential debate. I mean, for Pete's sake, children watched that. I'm glad I've already had my children because I think just watching that sterilized me. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? I can get emotional. Maybe I'm a little overheated. Let's see what the news professionals had to say about it. Uh, Dana Bash? That was show. Okay. Okay. That is, first of all, an insult to both shows and the other word that I can't say because this is CVS. And it's not exactly accurate because at least after a 90-minute poop, you generally feel better. Now, now, now <laughs> in my effort uh, to be as fair as possible here, given that my guests and I may not find much nice to say about Donald Trump over the course of today's program, allow me to read the Trump campaign's statement in full as released just moments after the debate ended on Wednesday night. This is from tr the Trump 2000 campaign manager Bill Stepien headlined President Trump in charge Biden week in first debate, says Stepien in his statement on uh, this quote, President Trump's resounding victory over Joe Biden. President Trump just turned in the greatest debate performance in presidential history, displaying a command of the facts and control of the conversation. Joe Biden was revealed as too weak to be president and spent most of the evening on his heels, unable to explain to his to explain his 47 years of failure as a Washington politician and even his friends in the liberal media will be unable to spin this as anything other than a miserable failure. Biden is too weak to stand up to the radical left, too weak to stand up to China, too weak to stand up to anti-police leftists, too weak to lead on the economy and too weak to defeat covid Americans saw a strong president on top of his game against an inadequate challenger who cannot be allowed to become president. That was Bill Stepien, the Trump 2020 campaign manager. And with that uh, fairness out of the way uh, for such great debate victory by the president, uh, the spoils appear to have gone to Joe Biden, whose campaign touted that they had raised a record $3.8 million in fundraising during the 10 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time hour on Tuesday night, as the former vice president and current president traded fire during the first of supposedly three presidential debates. 
but we'll see. Joining us now for what we will call special coverage of whatever that was at Case Western University in Cleveland last night is, of course, our own Desi Doyen, who was yep. plowing through that crap show <laughs> until all hours of the night last night to find coherent sentences. Oh, yeah. Uh, good day, Desiree. Yep. Um, though I, I don't know if we'll get to it today or not. I suspect we'll be covering it on our next Green News report. Uh, as insane as that thing was, it still actually offered what I thought was the longest and most detailed discussion of climate change in any presidential debate, no? I think you are actually correct about that, that there has not been a longer, better, more substantive discussion in any presidential debate, and that still isn't saying much. No, it is not. Uh, also uh, joining us, as promised, is a couple of our favorite, favorite post-debate sense-makers, no pressure. Eric Bollard is an author and longtime news media analyst and critic at Media Matters Salon and Daily Coast. He now publishes his own email newsletter called Press Run, which you can subscribe to at pressrun.media. Oh, Mr. Bollard, welcome back, sir. Has your brain healed up enough uh, after last night to speak coherently today? Yes, absolutely. I'm ready to go. And, of course, our longtime post-debate coverage champion, who we have uh, forced through uh, more of these over the years than either she or I likely care to remember, Heather Digby-Parton, known to millions simply as Digby, is the longtime proprietor of the Hullabaloo blog and an award-winning opinion and analysis journalist at Salon.com. Uh, Digby, if you would have told me that day when you were on the air, on the air on this show after Donald Trump came down the escalator in June of 2015 that we would be here <laughs> in 2020, I'm not sure either you or I would have believed you, but here we are. So welcome back, Ms. Parton. Yeah, well, I can't guarantee that my brain has actually healed, unlike <laughs> Eric. I, I Honestly, I'll do my best, but it, it's tough. I, I, I'm still... Uh, Still recovering, I'm afraid. I feel you. Believe me, I'm not. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, covering what happened on Wednesday night, uh, like a normal debate, seems an insult, frankly, to our listeners, to the world, and to the idea of the word debate itself. So let me just start here, uh, Heather. What was wrong with that debate, and how can it possibly be corrected for next time? <laughs> um, well, what was wrong with it was that one we had one, you know mainstream normal politician uh, and an alien from outer space um, <laughs> debating on the same stage and uh, that didn't work out really well um, that it was you know I, I and to answer your question you know I don't know what you can do about this to be honest I mean Eric wrote today in his newsletter that they should just cancel the other two debates mm -hmm. and I, I'm inclined to agree with him because mm. I do not see how you can fix this. Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump at the debate last night was Donald Trump. I mean, those of us who are sort of forced by virtue of the work we do <laughs> to watch him constantly didn't see a different Donald Trump than mm. is always there. This is the guy. I mean, this is the guy who came out and said, you know, can we inject bleach? I mean, he's the guy who comes out and spars with... With, with reporters every single day and speaks in that disgusting, obnoxious, you know, tone of his. Well, that was, that, well, uh, to be fair, uh, Heather, that was sarcastic, that whole thing about bleach. <laughs> oh, right, he, he right. Said, I'm sorry, yeah. He said he, it was... He's he a so. funny, funny guy, yeah. that Donald Trump. Yeah. He's always just, he's always kind of, you know, kind of a, yeah, give, delivering a good punchline yeah, there. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> but you know, my—I mean, I, I honestly don't know what you can do about that. I mean, this is, this guy 
is what he is. Now, it's theoretically possible that some of his advisors will have told him that maybe he needs to take it down, <laughs> take it down to, you know, an 11 <laughs> instead of, a, you know, 111 like it was last night. But, you know, he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't listen to his advisors. Right. He it's, listens to no one. So I don't think they can fix this, which means I'm back where Eric is, which is we shouldn't do this. It's really bad for the country. Which I mean, I, I don't... I, I was actually hoping you were going to disagree with Eric on that, and, and so I guess that'll fall to me. But, Eric, uh, I know you called, as uh, Heather said, in your uh, press run newsletter for there to be no more debates. We will get to that uh, argument in a moment. But how would you simply describe what happened on Wednesday night? Well, it's interesting. You know, it, it, as Heather is saying, this is the Trump we know. It's interesting, though, there has been a gradual evolution. Uh, I did a piece earlier looking back at the 2016 debate, so I, I watched a lot of those recently. Mm -hmm. the, he was dramatically different last night than he was in 2016, and he was awful in 2016. <laughs> I think it's the creeping authoritarianism, right? He just wallows in the White House. And, and as you say, nobody questions him. Uh, he, he was so insulted to be on a stage with another adult person who did not mm. agree with him. He that has not happened in four years. Right, every podium he is on, he is he is surrounded by sycophants. You know, he bulldozes the press. Yes, you can say, you know, the press has asking him, been asking him questions for four years. He doesn't treat any of that seriously. He doesn't care about any of those reporters. He doesn't respect them. He doesn't answer their questions. So he has he has emerged, I think, as an increasingly dangerous authoritarian, and we saw that last night. And I think one of the takeaways from that was. This guy's not going to give up office. I have not really been that concerned about that. I don't know why. Maybe I'm being naive. But you watch him and his body language, and uh, he was not a well person. He was, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have the right words to describe what we saw last night. Uh, sociopath, obviously, a mm. psychopath, a maniac, a nihilist. That was not someone who is going to accept an election result, I don't think. So what happened was, I think we got the first, Joe Biden was the first person in four years to say, you're a clown, to his face. And thank God he did say. Lit literally, thank, he said. Yeah, yeah. literally. And, and thank God he did tell him to shut up. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Joe did that. You know, Joe didn't want to do that. You could see it today. He was out on the campaign trail. He said he thought the President of the United States was an embarrassment last night. And you could see it pained him to say that. He doesn't want he, you know, he doesn't want the country to be in this position. He says that from uh, mm -hmm. from a perspective of sorrow and embarrassment. But I'm glad he said it last night. It had to be said. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Desi, you, you Well, you I had an opinion you, on yeah. this. I think I have a solution to the problem of Trump interrupting during the debates. The moderators should stop him with something like a squirt gun, like you use with a cat or something to get it off the couch every time he interrupts. Just blast him with I'm a not squirt sure, gun. I'm not sure you the uh, Secret Service will level care level for that, yeah, right. uh, that no, uh, solution. No, it's oh, but, you too know, bad. You know, yeah. it's interesting. The, uh, I'll just jump in. The, the debate commission on Wednesday mm -hmm. said, oh, yeah, that work we're going to add tools going forward what i argued at you know a press run was unless they uh, give po the moderators the power 
to uh, to mute his mic, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's no point going forward. It, there are indications now that that is what they are going to do. Yeah. It's going to be tricky. The next format is a town hall, right. but I guess you can still mute his mic. Um, but we can talk about why this should have been blindingly obvious to the debate commission way before well, today. Well, let me jump in. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, in your in your press run newsletter, you say that you, uh, quote, urged the Biden campaign to not show up for any of the debates this election season because you didn't see the benefit of sharing the stage with a madman for 90 minutes. There is no upside to normalizing his behavior with a presidential yes. debate and the legitimacy that it provides. Now everyone sees the results. You heard Desi there. She seems to agree with you, Eric. Uh, But let me push back on that by noting that, yeah, everyone now sees the results, just as you said. I mean, if we didn't have the debate, uh, this madman is not as though he wouldn't exist. Now we are seeing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't there value in that? Yeah, I think there's a small value, but I think the larger, it doesn't equal... It was such um, an embarrassment for the country. It was so, you know, think about the world stage, what happened last night. Everyone has already been shaking their heads. But to watch that as a presidential debate, and here's one of the things that's so sad about Trump, and that he's destroyed so many cultural and civic norms. You know, I've never been a big fan of the presidential debate format. It's very limited. It seems kind of um, designed to so candidates can't have a real debate, et cetera, et cetera. But these debates were always an opportunity three times every four years for 80 million people to come together and ponder the nation's issues and our future. And, hey, what do we think about these things? And Trump has just destroyed that. I mean, last night was a complete waste of time, embarrassment. Everyone has used the adjectives. So I understand your point. He revealed himself as a madman. You know, the snap poll on CNN, Biden won 60 to 28. If you show up with a pulse at a presidential debate, you automatically get 35% approval. For him to be at 28% is mind-boggling. That's how bad it was. But I think the damage done to democracy and our culture and everything outstrips that notion that he revealed himself. And to do this two more times... If they kept the same well, format, l- l- that is just that is just uh, uh, masochism. I, I I hear you, and I think uh, more directly, I feel you, Eric. I, I really do, <laughs> and uh, and I don't disagree in that sense. But the fact that it was an embarrassment, it is already an embarrassment, and hiding yes. it uh, doesn't make it go away. It's sort of like security by obscurity. It doesn't work. Uh, and since Heather, uh, you uh, uh, joined in with uh, Eric in this call, let me push back to you a little bit, uh, Jose. Wilson of uh, Columbia University tweeted, people are calling this the worst debate they'd ever watched. For me, it was the most instructive. The fact that America has millions of people who voted this president to office speaks more about our country than it does about him. Let's not shy away. Let's learn, he says. And Sally Cohn over at USA Today says that debate was a crap show because Trump is a pile of crap but we can also see this moment as manure to fertilize our outrage our action and our hope for the future 
anything to that? And, you know, while I realize it's a low bar, uh, doesn't Joe Biden just, you know, gain from just showing up for sticking it out through that madness? I mean, look at all the money that he raised, not to mention, uh, you know, the, the, the field day that the right wing would be having, the Fox News would be having, calling him a chicken if he didn't show up. Well, Biden obviously can't not show up if the debate is held. I, I don't think that will work because of what you just said. But, but look, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know how last night's performance by Trump, uh, you know, was perceived by the, I guess, what was it they saying, 65 million people watched it on TV, and mm-hmm. God knows how many people saw it streaming or heard it on the radio. Um, but, you know, the, the fact is, is that... <laughs> That we already knew all this about Trump, and I think that I, I doubt that there are very many people who who didn't already know that. And the truth is, is that the debates rarely have any real lasting value mm. anyway. As far as winning or losing, in, the, in in fact, I went and did a whole piece about the last debates, which right. you know, Trump. Eric's right. Trump has gotten way way worse, and I think that he's right about the reason too. Is that you know he just resents having to do any of this stuff. He should be president for life. He admires Vladimir Putin and, and Xi Jinping for just sort of declaring it and getting it. And he doesn't think he should have to go through any of this because he is, you know, at, at heart an authoritarian and basically, you know, with, with extreme fascistic tendencies. Um, but, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that the last time he wasn't all that much better. I mean, he has gotten worse, but it was a terrible series of debates. And yeah. I looked at the polling that Gallup did afterwards. Uh, on those debates, Hillary Clinton won them all, hands down. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, and I mean, it was in those same numbers, you know, sixty yeah. to thirty. Uh, you know, to, I mean, six, seventy to thirty. I mean, they were really huge numbers, and he was very domineering in those too. And he, to- he called mm-hmm. her the devil to her face and said, "You'd be in jail." I mean, he was awful. He was just he was a, he was a pig then. Well, you're and actually now. You're, you're making you started <laughs> making my case for me here, uh, Heather. I was going to ask you about that because yeah, I saw that you actually went through and. And you showed the Gallup polls that showed in 2016 in all three debates that Clinton cleaned Trump's clock, just as the polls, the snap polls showed uh, after uh, uh, Wednesday night's debate. But I need to point out that, you know, Donald Trump, in theory, at least, reportedly won the election in 2016, even after losing all of that. So what's the difference between then and now, uh, if anything? Well, I mean, for one thing, it's a much, it's, the, the election, at least if the polls are correct, it does not appear to be as close as it was in 2016. That much, going into the debates, it was, in 2016, it was closer. And despite the fact that she won all three debates, and I don't think there's any doubt about that, any more mm-hmm. than I don't think that, you know, there's any doubt that Biden won the debate last night, I'm not sure it, it, it makes a difference in terms of the election outcome. I, I just have a sneaking suspicion, you know, that, and like, like Eric said, you know, look, the, there, there's long been sort of question marks about how valuable these really are. Mm-hmm. And he's right that, you know, it is a moment when we can all come together at the same time, and, you know, these are big political events. But essentially, it's a show, and I don't really think it changes much, which is why I don't think it's important to have any more debates, because mm. I don't think it really is going to help Joe Biden one way or the mm-hmm. other. I think he's doing fine. It appears that the, you know, the polling, in fact, yesterday, the Cook Report, um, you know, said turned Ohio and Iowa into toss-up states. So mm-hmm. that was something I wasn't expecting. So yep. South Carolina had a new poll just, I think it was today, 
they had Biden and, and uh, Trump neck and neck. In, tied. In, in South, South Carolina, Carolina, where so, uh, Lindsey you know, Graham is tied with Jamie Harrison exactly. for the Senate. Uh, I got to get to a break, guys. Let me ask. Let me. I want to uh, toss one more question out here to Eric. Uh, Robert Kuttner over at the American Prospect today uh, wrote that Trump's alpha male strategy seriously <clears throat> limited Biden's effectiveness last night. His heckling and constant interruptions clearly rattled Biden. They undercut Biden's ability to offer a cogent narrative and made Biden look decent but often weak, which was Trump's intent. Because of Trump's sheer crassness, he writes, in turning a presidential debate into so much mud wrestling, a sport that Biden couldn't win, Trump narrowly lost on points, but it was far from the knockout that it should have been based on the facts. That uh, sort sort of supports your point and and sort of uh, opposes it. Your thoughts on that, Eric? Yeah, I, I, you know, if Trump was a skilled politician, he could have pulled off what Robert describes, I think. He's not as a skilled politician, so it was, uh, everything was overkill. And, and more importantly, Trump is getting demolished by women voters. Exactly. And, as Heather, and as Heather pointed out in her salon piece, uh, I mean, he probably triggered so many awful me- uh, memories <laughs> and trauma. Uh, for women, and particularly, I know it's a cliche, but suburban women mm-hmm. uh, who who decide, oh, sure, let's try a businessman in 2016. Oh, I don't, I, you know, something about Hillary turns me up. I mean, those are the voters that he has completely lost. And how on, I mean, I'm not a woman, so I don't know, uh, and I don't want to stereotype about perspective, but how on earth you would watch that belligerent maniac and think, Oh, he's my guy. You know, so I understand what Robert's saying. I think I, I think if Trump was better at this, he could have done that. But it, it was just within ten minutes, it was, it, it was just pure hysteria, yelling and screaming. And and, and I, I think, sure, I guess there are some white men out there who who really love that and love to see it on a national stage and think it should be in the White House. But I think if we're talking pure politics, electoral voting, uh, I think he turned off. So many people, so many people that he desperately needs to eke out a win in places like uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break here. We will continue with the pure hysteria uh, right after this. Our special coverage of the first, who knows, maybe last presidential debate of 2020, maybe of ever, with our guests uh, Heather Digby-Parton and Eric Bullard, of course, Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate And thanks. If Senate Republicans go ahead and confirm Justice Barrett, you have refused in the past to talk about it. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court? Whatever position I take in that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote 
You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Let vote now. You're going to pack your senator. I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you answer that because question? the you question is the new question Supreme is justice radical question. left. Will you Who shut is up, man? Listen. Talk too much. You never shut up. I said you talk too much. Oh boy, you never shut up. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com special coverage of the presidential debate number 1 with our special guest salons Heather Digby Parton and press runs Eric Bollert. Uh Heather uh, given the absurd dumpster fire uh that uh, Trump put on this this crap show as they say that Trump put on uh I hate to focus too much on criticism of Joe Biden here but uh you know so no hippie punching here however Heather Uh, Is Biden's insistence that he will not discuss whether Democrats will end the filibuster and expand the Supreme Court, as you heard in that clip, uh, if uh, Amy Coney Barrett is rammed through to the uh, to become a a Supreme Court justice before the election, that he won't uh, give a, a, a position on that because he says it will become a news story. Is that sustainable for the next 35 days? Oh, I hope so, because I think it actually says that Joe Biden might do it. <laughs> because <laughs> I think it, I'll, you know, I'll take this sort of contrarian view here. I, I think that, um, you know, he had no problem saying, law, you know, Trump lied about this, of course, but he did say that he supported law and order, that there are lots of good cops. You know, he said that, there are, you know, no violence was acceptable. I mean, he's not a, he, he rejected the Green New Deal and said that he had his own plan, et cetera, et cetera. He's not mm-hmm. afraid, you know, to go again. I mean, this isn't a particularly lefty issue, the filibuster and the expanding the Supreme Court. This is purely kind of a power issue, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think that's something that draws people uh, in the Democratic Party together, left, right, and center. And the fact that he won't say that he won't do it, I think means that there is, you know, he's trying not to chase off Republicans mm-hmm. and, you know, whoever's centrist or, or independent voters long enough to get through the election. But I think if he thought that that would be helpful to him in getting those voters, I think he'd say it. And he's not saying it. So, so I not, think you, not by, saying it, I think, indicates that Joe might do it. And I'm surprised because this is not the guy, you know, this is mm-hmm. the guy got all these friends in the Republican Party, and, you well, know, we're going to bring it together. Yep. I think this means that, that he, and, and he should, because watching what they did with, with this Barrett nomination, watching what McConnell has done all the way along, uh, you know, watching what's going on under Trump, this, this obvious, you know, attempt to basically steal the election through the Supreme Court if he can't get it done in the, in the states, Maybe that has finally awakened the survival instinct of the Democratic Party. So I was not upset by that. I hope he shuts up about it. I hope he continues to evade the question. And then, you know, we push hard. Okay. If he does win, to have him do it, because it's absolutely necessary. That's a legitimate position, but let me be the contrarian in this case, and I'll direct it to Eric. Uh, Eric, is this a case where Democrats just need to grow a pair? In other words, uh, should they, I mean, they, I think that they should obviously uh, unsteal the Supreme Court and get rid of the undemocratic filibuster to, to do it if necessary, and that they should stand behind that as a campaign vow so that they can at least argue uh, if they win that, hey, we have a mandate from the American people to do this. 
Uh, interesting. You know, I think when they win, and I think the I think the win is going to be so large, and there's going to be surprises in the House and Senate we we don't even see coming. Uh, you, then I think they're going to be able to say that. You know, my gosh, if if I don't want to get excited about polls, if Lindsey Graham lost, mm-hmm. that would that would explain to everyone what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he's going to lose is because of the Supreme Court. I think I yeah I'm I'm fine with that. I would think it would be great. I I tweeted uh, the the night the uh, Ginsburg's death was announced, and McConnell said, you know, we're going to vote. I said. Uh, Biden should come out today and say, you know, my first act as president mm-hmm. is going to be to extend the Supreme Court. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, yeah, yeah. No, I look. I, I, I so I, I'm with you. I wish this was. I wish this was the marching order. I wish this was out front. But this isn't. You know, I'm not trying to give them excuses. This is not a normal election. It was, uh, and, and specifically the debate last night, impossible to make any kind of coherent, or it's it would it was impossible for Biden to really wave any kind of flag and say this is what i'm going to do uh... he had to survive that ninety minutes he was in- interrupted five hundred times uh... i'm not surprised that it didn't become a rallying cry i don't really know what he, if he's going to have a rallying cry um, you know between now you know in the next five weeks the rallying cry is save this country save right. democracy save save our sanity uh... so I, again i don't want to give him excuses i would love if the you know he talked about the filibuster every day. I understand this isn't the campaign where you roll out an initiative every five days. No one's going to pay attention to anything because <laughs> Trump's, you know, uh, building this bomb fire no, every day, I, every hour. Uh, and and I do hear you, and I do hear Heather on this. And, you know, listen, uh, as of now, Joe Biden is obviously winning if, you know, we have a level playing field and everything's not stolen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there's really no reason uh, to, to change that course except to say that, you know, when Republicans run, and they're very good, by the way, at running for office. They are a disaster at governing, but they're very good at politics. I mean, you can look at just the Lincoln Project, where you've got these Republicans, uh, these anti-Trump Republicans who are putting out videos now against Trump, and you think, man, you know, I wish Democrats knew how to run for office like that. With that in mind, um, you know, Heather... Don't Democrats need to start putting out uh, their positions, their beliefs, their promises, what they are going to do? Because that is what Republicans do, and it does help them get elected. So in a case like this, if he said, yes, elect me, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do, end of story. Isn't there something to that? I think he is put. I mean, if, if you go to the website or you hear, you know, I mean, every issue, if you want to talk about health care, you want to talk about, you know, climate change, you want to talk about the economy, you want to talk about jobs, you want to talk about manufacturing, trade, et cetera, et cetera, including foreign policy. Joe Biden has plans for all that stuff. It's all there. It, trying to, you know, get that stuff out in this environment is very difficult, as, as Eric said. This is different. This is a process argument in the middle of a situation where Donald Trump is out there saying openly that he plans to try to steal this election mm-hmm. by declaring the vote invalid. And if he has to, he will take it to the Supreme Court. And he said out loud that he would do that. He wanted to put his, you know, his his nominee, mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett, on the court in order to rule for him. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about some. This is extra constitutional, extra 
judicial. Every you know, it is it is uh, in, it is one of the most dangerous things any president has ever of tried course, to do. But and if it were just him bloviating, yeah. Brad. You know, I'd agree with you. Just you know, let this let this happen, and you know, he can just say whatever he wants. They've got Republican lawyers fanned out all over the country, ready to do this with him. It's not as if he's alone. He's got the entire party behind mm-hmm. him. This is very, very dangerous stuff. And you know, I think that that it's enough to watch him do this to see what Mitch McConnell did with the Supreme Court mm-hmm. um, justice, and to watch him come out and, and threaten. To take, you know, to to basically steal the election, to usurp the will of the people, and to watch him do that. And I think that if Joe Biden is lucky enough to win and come out the other side of this, and we all come out the other side, he has the mandate at that point. All he has to do at that point is say, look what this guy just did. Look mm-hmm. what the Republicans did. We can't let this happen again. We can't let this minority rule continue. Well, and I would add to that, it's not just the, the filibuster. It's not just the Supreme Court. I think they have to do, you know, add a couple of states. And mm-hmm. I don't think they have to do this in the election as a... Uh, all that does is churn and say, look, they're just as bad as we are. They want to change everything. They want to... <laughs> Good. Let, yeah. them, blah, blah, blah. let them I say... Why do that? Why, why, why try... I mean, this, this guy's an existential threat. So, you know, I, I say do it, and then the left pushes Joe Biden as hard as it can to get this done. And I don't think it's just going to be the left. I think they're... Right. I mean, you've got even the right. You've got people like Rick Wilson and Stuart Stevens and people like that backing this of adding to the Supreme Court because they finally recognize... Are they? Are those guys? Yes. Uh, they're, they're in favor of this as well? Because, I mean, yes, I see are. an explosion happening uh, once he starts announcing things like this, as he yep. should, as we all agree he should, uh, including adding states. Uh, whereas, you know, you say it out front, and then you can say, well, hey, oh. this is what the American people voted for. Eric? You know, just just a quick point, you know, to, to sort of counter your idea of let's put this all out front. This is such a unique election, like I said, all Biden has to do is say, I'm not him. He, you know, he does have a plan, as Heather says. He has a plan for everything. He could have, he could have no plan. And he, I think we'd be in the exact same position. My point is, I think the country wants Biden to save us, which kind of gives him a blank slate. So when, he's a, when, he, when he becomes president, he can do whatever he wants. He said, hey, you know, I'm the guy who's going to save us, and now I'm going to tell you X, Y, Z. I'm going to expand the court, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico, et cetera, et cetera. I think, in a weird way, it frees him up, and he does not have to do this kind of plotting platform, you know, uh, a white paper every five days during the fall. He can just say, look, I'm not him. I'm a decent guy. I'm going to save this country. Uh, Put your trust in me. And then he's kind of got, in a weird way, he's kind of got a blank check. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, and and I I would also bl- uh, agree that he should not take the bait and uh, try to say you know place a marker down about whether he would expand the court or expand the judiciary or any of those things because he gives that oxygen to then deflect and divert focus away from Trump's attempts to be an authoritarian dictator and steal the election, keeping that focus where it should be on Republican treachery on stealing a Supreme Court seat. Exactly. Well, <coughs> fair enough enough and all three of you have the right to be wrong on occasion <laughs> that's okay but uh, actually one other uh, reason to not come out is that his position might be if you seat Amy Coney Barrett on the court we will expand it my uh, response to that would be you should be calling for the Supreme Court to be expanded no matter whether Barrett yeah. is seated on the court because it was already stolen 
uh, back in 2016. All right, um, let's uh, get to uh, at least a clip or two here. Um, since Desi stayed up all night yes. putting them together, at least we could do. Uh, here's the moment, of course, that seems to be getting the most criticism uh, today, even from Fox News, a little bit, uh, when Donald Trump could not find it within him to condemn white supremacy. You have repeatedly we- criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing That's extremist right. groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you what are you, you look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them what do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing. White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not militia. That's what oh, his no, it's an FBI. Idea. His okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then, you know what? No, no, no we're, done, we're done, sir. <laughs> well, we're done, all right. Uh, <clears throat> who, who would like that one? <laughs> uh, well, I'll go, sure. Go <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, look, I mean, none of, that is not surprising. I mean, as we know from the beginning, I mean, Trump has a long, long history of being a, you know, an old-fashioned right-wing racist. I mean, this is the guy going all the way back to the 1970s, the the uh, Central Park Five ad, you know, going on and on. So th- this doesn't surprise me at all, and I don't think it, you know, should surprise anyone that he would fail to properly denounce the Proud Boys. But what? And by the way, the Proud Boys. Just as a digression here, you know, there are pictures of his buddy Roger Stone, whose sentence he just commuted, sitting around with the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys were present when Roger Stone was was arrested. I mean, they are like his bodyguards. So Trump very well knows who the Proud Boys are. There's no doubt about it. But in any case, you know, the the fact that he said "stand back and stand by." And then in the next breath said, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. Well, as anyone would expect, the Proud Boys took that immediately as a call to arms. And they started tweeting. Well, they weren't tweeting. They've been kicked off Twitter. But on their own <laughs> social media, they started, they started going on about how they had, you know, thanks to you, we're ready, sir, you know, and all this stuff. They put out a new patch that said, stand, stand back and stand by. I mean, they took this as a, as a sign, and this is in the same breath also that Trump is talking about people going to the polls and being, quote, poll watchers, which is illegal unless you've registered and you're, you know, a person mm-hmm. authorized to be there. And, you know, he's talking about all this stuff. I mean, this guy is calling for violence around the election and otherwise, you know, I mean, obviously. And, uh, you know, this is this is what we're looking at over the, you know, uh, around the election. I, I just don't think there's any doubt about it. And potentially after the election, depending on what happens. And he's on national TV talking to 65 million people, pretty much winking and nodding at a bunch of right wing, you know, yeah. thugs. 
to go out and start knocking heads. And, I mean, it's really one of the lowest things. I mean, that's why I'm so agitated about this. You know, this is somebody, you know, this authoritarian streak is coming right up to the forefront here. Yes, it is. And he does, he, he is, he is terrified of being, of losing, which even he can see is a very, very real possibility. And I am really not sure that this is all just, you know, fun and games for him. And But I am sure that it's not fun and games for his followers. There are people out there like Proud Boys mm-hmm. and the Boogaloo Boys and these all these right-wing militias. They've been around for a long time. And, and Christopher Wray, the FBI director, as Biden pointed out in the debate, has said that is a real threat. It's the greatest domestic terrorist threat we have. It's yep. coming from the right wing. And Trump can blow that off if he wants to, but it doesn't change anything. It's real. And he was out there signaling openly to them on national television, hey, boys, you know, get ready. You and know, sig- arm up. Get and ready to go. And them- that was terrifying to me. When I saw that, I'm just kind of going, oh, man. This could be very, very bad. Yeah, and I just want to underscore he was signaling to them to maybe go to the polls and interfere with the election. Let me uh, get one more here. i got to get to another break here. Uh, So let me uh, get one more clip and a a quick answer from a quick response from Eric on this. Uh, Trump did seem to get thrown off his game whenever, well, whatever game he had, uh, whenever the uh, issue of COVID-19 came up, as more than 200,000 Americans have died, in fact, on his watch. Uh, He and Biden went back and forth over Trump's insistence that a vaccine was coming very, very soon, very strongly or whatever crap he says, uh, with with Biden pointing out that uh, Trump's own top scientists say, no, it won't be available until next summer, most likely. Trump said that his own scientists were wrong. And then uh, and then this happened. Do you believe for a moment? What he's telling you in light of all the lies he's told you about the whole issue relating to COVID. He still hasn't even acknowledged that he knew this was happening, knew how dangerous it was going to be back in February, and he didn't even tell you. He's on record as saying it. He panicked or he just looked at the stock market, one of the two, because guess what? A lot of people died and a lot more are going to die unless he gets a lot smarter, a lot quicker. Mr. President? Did you use the word smart? Uh, So you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't (laughs) go to Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. (laughs) Uh, Eric, uh, you take that one, please. (laughs) Well, you know, this was one of his pre-planned zingers. He thought he was being super clever. Uh, you know, and in, in, in a 2000 debate, a 2004 debate, if we still lived in that world, I guess that would have maybe passed. But it was so packaged and so ridiculous. And Trump, of all people, you know, pontificating about someone who isn't smart. And then, look, this, is, this, this goes into his so the expectation game that he played, this just ridiculousness that uh, Biden was on uppers and and he had to have an earpiece because he's so dumb and he can't figure out where he is, coming from a guy who is incoherent, you know, and whose briefings are are just riddled with syntax errors and, 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 and flights of fancy. So, I mean... I understand what they were trying to do to Biden. It doesn't make any sense because Trump is absolutely the wrong messenger. So his real, you know, his gotcha moment about 
you know, uh, Biden not getting good grades apparently in college. You know, it just falls incredibly flat. Uh, and 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 I, it appears to have been the only debate prep Trump did was to remember this line about Biden's college. Yeah. Uh, we famously know he doesn't do any prep. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't read anything. Uh, Chris Christie uh, got the word out that he was going to help Trump with the debate prep because he thought that was going to be good for him. Uh, and, and then the whole thing kind of uh, looked ridiculous. Yeah, and plus, um, you know, he thinks that uh, 200,000 people dead in nine months is a good job. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, like exactly. it's not. You know, and, and, got... and, I will just, and I will just say, you know, yeah. It was it was hard for Biden to have good moments because he was just constantly hemmed in and yelled at and hectored. His stuff on COVID, I thought, was by far the best, and he hit it early, even though it wasn't the topic. Uh, and and it's just and it's just devastating. On, he was yeah. serious and sober, and he looked right in the camera. And there's nothing Trump can say really. On on uh, he was uh, very good on that and on his son. Uh, yep. in response to uh, Trump's attacks. A uh, very quick break here. We're back with our closing few minutes in a second. Uh, and uh, we'll just uh, sum up, if uh, find out if, if Biden did what he needed to do, if Trump did what he needed to do. Our special coverage of the first presidential debate will continue with Salon's Heather Digby-Parton, Press Run's Eric Bollert, the Bradcast's Desi Doyen, and me, Brad Friedman, right here. Don't go away. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. People want their schools open. They don't want to be shut down. They don't want their state shut down. They want their restaurants. I look at New York. It's so sad what's happening in New York. It's almost like a ghost town. And I'm not sure it can ever recover what they've done in New York. People want their places open. They want to get back to their lives. People They'll be careful, be but they want their schools open. Okay. I'm the one safe. that brought back football. I'm a ghost. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with Eric Bollert and Heather Digby-Parton. Um, we, we've got uh, just a minute or so here, guys. And we covered this a little bit, but I guess, the, as I said, the, the question, did Joe Biden do what he needed to do? Did Donald Trump do what he needed to do? Let me start with you, Eric. Yeah, I think I think Biden did again. You know, it wasn't a normal debate. It was almost impossible to have any kind of coherent conversation. I thought Biden handled the attacks and the smears and the insanity from Trump the best he could. Sometimes he smiled. Sometimes he got angry. Sometimes he ignored him. He talked directly to the American people. I don't know what else you could do. I mean, it was clear it was going to be a carnival. Five minutes into it, it was clear Chris Wallace wasn't going to be able to control anything. Uh, so I, you know, I I wouldn't have wanted to be Joe Biden last night, and 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 because you're still trying to hang on to your dignity while this clown is next next to you. I thought he did as well as anyone could be expected. Uh, Heather, your closing thoughts? Uh, well, I agree. I agree with Eric on Biden. I think he did fine. And Trump, I think it depends on what you think he was trying to do. I mean, it, obviously, if what he was trying to do is attract new voters, 
like <laughs> those Republican women who have drifted away over the past four years. Uh, that didn't work. I mean, it was a dis- total disaster for him. But if what he was trying to do is run against the election rather than run against mm. Joe Biden, I think he, he may have been pretty successful. I think Josh Marshall tweeted something earlier today that I think was good. He said, last night you can see the countries facing less an election than a hostage negotiation. Will Trump <laughs> come, out, come out peacefully, or is he one of those degenerates mm. who kills his wife and kids on the way out? If he's going to lose, he wants to burn the country down with him. I don't know if that's true, but it sure seems like it. And uh, that's the part that's really scary to me. If that's what he was trying to do, I think he set it up with all that stuff about the Proud Boys and the ballots and all the rest of it in front of, you know, vast tens of millions of people. So, And, and, just, a quick, and just a quick point that argues again why we shouldn't do this two more times. Exactly. We'll go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, so I would say that uh, Biden did do what he needed to do. I think he missed a lot of opportunities and could be sharper and quicker about taking the fight to Trump about Trump's record. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we should not lose sight of the fact that uh, Trump is a clear threat to the country and he is trying to break the system if he cannot own it. We should not lose sight of that and we should also not be frightened by it as terrifying really as so much of this is uh and i agree with with uh, eric and heather and and everyone else on that on this front this is uh serious like a heart attack and it is terrifying but we should not be terrified we should not be terrorized we should turn this around and save this country and i believe that uh yes we can as some guy once said. Uh, all right, we got to uh, get out here. Uh, my thanks to Salon's Heather Digby Parton. You can and should find her work at salon.com and at digbysblog.net. You can also follow her on the Twitters at digby56. And you can and should subscribe to uh, Eric's Press Run newsletter over at pressrun.media. You can find him on the Twitters at Eric Bullert. Oh, boy. Uh, So I hope we're all buckled up for the next few weeks uh, because this nightmare will continue at least until we end it. But uh, really uh, glad to go through this nightmare with you guys as we have been going through so many with you, uh, with both Eric and Heather now for so many years, going back to the Bush years. uh, I'm delighted and honored that I can call you guys and you can join us for these insane conversations. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's all going so well. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate yeah, me it. Too. All right, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you who help support us, keep us on your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 